0: Well, good morning again. (laughs) So about a year or two before Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians, he and his friend Barnabas, they set sail on their first missionary journey. They went from Antioch in Syria to the island of Cyprus, and then to and around what is today southern Turkey. And they went back to Antioch again, and they traveled well over 1,000 miles. You can read about this in Acts chapter 13 and 14. Paul and Barnabas went from place to place preaching the gospel, the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And they were not well received. So some believed Some believed in Jesus, especially the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. They were really excited about this good news of salvation by faith in Christ. But others, many others, especially Jewish people, they rejected the gospel. They refused to acknowledge Christ as the Messiah. And they drove out Paul and Barnabas from town after town after town. They even followed them to new towns to continue harassing them and driving them out. At one town, Lystra, they stoned Paul. They dragged him outside of the city and they left him for dead. This is not an easy first-timers mission trip. But at each stop, by the grace of God, some people believed in Jesus. Jesus they started churches. They probably met in homes, but they gathered there to fellowship with one another and to worship their newfound savior. And Paul and Barnabas, they were able to uh, return to their home church in Antioch. They They went back and they were able to say that they had fulfilled the work of the spirit to which they had been called. And they told their church all about their travels and all about their persecution and all about what God had done through them and reaching these new peoples for the gospel. Imagine Paul then, a few months later, maybe a year later, he's back in Antioch. He's getting healed up from his trip. Probably still a little sore from the stoning, I would imagine, but he's feeling good. He is totally satisfied in the spirit. He is totally thankful that... uh, God used him to win over these new groups of people in Galatia who are now worshiping the true God and his son, Jesus. And yeah, it was hard. And yeah, it almost cost him his life. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Imagine Paul then. What he must have thought when he got word that Judaizing imposters had infiltrated these churches in Galatia and were drawing these faithful men and women away from the gospel, telling them that this this Paul guy, he's all mixed up. No, no, no. I mean, it's not faith alone in Christ alone. You see, there's a little more to it than that. You see, yeah, believe in Jesus, fine, but you know, you've also got to be circumcised. You've got to cut off, well, you know. It's commanded. It's required. In fact, it's one of a number of things That you really have to do if you want to be right with God. You know, Paul, he's just telling you what you want to hear. His good news by salvation, by God's grace, through just faith. Sounds a little too good to be true, right? Well, that's because it is too good to be true, it's because it's a lie. You see, Paul either made this up or he heard it from someone else who made it up. But he's proclaiming a lie. You see, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law. Hey, we can help with that. We can help with that. Imagine Paul when he got that report. (laughs) Imagine what he must have been thinking, these churches that he had founded with his blood, sweat, and tears were being pulled away, were deserting the gospel. Imagine what he must have been feeling, what was going through his mind. We well, you know we don't really have to imagine because we have this letter, Galatians, that he wrote in response to to this situation. Galatians chapter one, verse one. Go ahead, turn there in your Bibles, please. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You think, Galatians, that I'm just telling you what you want to hear? You think I'm trying to please man? You think I'm just trying to tickle your ears? You think my life is now easier? You think I'm better off in the world's eyes? You think I made this up or got this from somebody else who made this up? You think what I proclaim to you is a lie? Let me tell you a thing or two. Let me tell you, verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I Persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, was pleased. To reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They were only hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Oh, foolish Galatians. Don't you remember? I was a Jew's Jew. I was the best of the best. I was a rock star. I was advancing in Judaism beyond any my own age. I was on my way to Damascus to persecute Christians when the risen, ascended Lord Jesus appeared to me and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I didn't receive the gospel from man, I got it from Jesus. He told me himself. That's why I didn't have to consult with anyone. I went straight away to Arabia and in and around Damascus, telling people about the Jesus that had appeared to me. That's why I am an apostle. I am an apostle like James and Peter and John, because I saw the risen Lord with my own eyes and I heard the risen Lord with my own ears. I didn't need anyone else to tell me. And it wasn't until three years, three years that I finally went to Jerusalem to meet Peter and James. And even then I only stayed two weeks. I didn't get the gospel from them. I'd already gotten it from Jesus and I'd been preaching it for years. Nobody in Judea even knew me. They just knew that I had done a 180. (laughs) That this faith I once tried to destroy, their faith, the faith, I was now preaching. I was now proclaiming. And what did they do? They didn't reject me. They didn't say I was all mixed up. They glorified God because of me, because they knew it was all from Him. Oh, foolish Galatians, how could you think that I, Paul, of all people, would bring you a false gospel? Paul's hot. Paul's hot he's understandably upset because his life story, which the Galatians knew, it was a testimony to the work of God in his life to totally transform him. He gave up everything to serve and to proclaim Christ because Christ himself appeared to Paul. And now Paul... Who gave up man's approval, who gave up his career, who was even stoned and left for dead so that they, the Galatians, could hear and know about Jesus. Now, Paul is being accused of trying to please man. If Paul were still trying to please man, he'd be the one telling them to get circumcised. It'd be Paul. He'd be the one telling them that they still needed to follow the law. He'd be the one saying that faith in Christ alone is not enough. But Paul isn't pleasing man. Paul isn't pleasing man anymore. He's a servant of Christ because he had seen the risen Christ and it changed everything for him. He risked his life to tell them about the risen Christ and now he is astonished at how quickly they are deserting the risen Christ. Christianity is a faith grounded in history. Christianity is a faith grounded in history. It's grounded in the historical fact that a man Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and on the third day rose again, proving that he is not merely a man, he is also God. If you want to deny the gospel of Christ, you've got to deny his resurrection, And if you deny his resurrection, you must reckon with why so many of his disciples, his closest followers, the ones who claim to see and hear the resurrected Christ, why did so many of them give their lives for something they knew to be a lie? You see, if the resurrection wasn't real, then the gospel was a lie. And if they knew it was a lie, why would they die for it? Why wouldn't they just fess up? Why wouldn't they come clean? Oh, oh! I made it all up. Please don't kill me. They didn't gain anything from man by believing and proclaiming the gospel of the risen Christ. And the same can be said for the apostle Paul. If you want to deny the gospel, you have to reckon with Paul. Why would a man... Who was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. One so committed to the law that he was advancing as a Pharisee beyond any his own age. One so zealous for the law that he was persecuting Christians one so devoted to the law that he did everything that man could expect him to do under the law, why did he give it all up? Why did he throw away his career, his standing, his identity to then do the very thing for which he had been persecuting others? Proclaiming the risen Christ Only God, only God could make that happen. And only the truthfulness of the gospel could explain it. If Christ didn't really appear to Paul on the road to Damascus, why would he give up all his worldly gain? Why would he subject himself to all manner of suffering Why would he be willing to die and eventually he would be martyred? Why? For something he knew to be a lie. The gospel in Galatia is under threat. And Paul is holding up his life story, his conversion story, his testimony as exhibit A for the truthfulness of the gospel. The theological wonders, (laughs) which Paul is going to unfold throughout the rest of his letter to Galatians, which we will see and discover as we go forward in this series. Those theological wonders, he first grounds in the historical reality of his conversion. His story is not too good to be true. It's too unbelievable to be false. It's too unbelievable to be anything but from God. If Paul's... Unbelievable story is true than the unbelievable gospel message that changed everything for him. Well, then that's true too. It's the very word of God. This is not Paul's gospel, it's God's gospel. It's God's gospel and God's gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The Galatians should have known better. They should have known better. They were deserting what they knew to be true because of the pressure of pleasing man. You know, they were the real man-pleasers here, not Paul, the Galatians were. These outside guys were coming into their churches, telling them there were certain things they had to do. If they want to be really righteous, there are certain things they've got to do. Paul, he's back in Antioch. But these guys, they are right there in Galatia, watching them, observing them, judging them critiquing them and these Galatians they are caving to that pressure we know what this feels like right do we know what this feels like the pressure to please man for the appearance of righteousness we might think we're better off than those foolish Galatians But if we think about it, we do this to ourselves all the time. So, a little bit about me. I first came to understand the gospel at church camp before I entered sixth grade. And it was at church camp when I realized for the very first time that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. my sins and I was so sorrowful I was so sad I remember weeping at the thought of him being brutally beaten on account of me and I was so grateful that he loved me so much that he would willingly Subject himself to that. He would willingly pay that price on account of me. I was so grateful that because of him, I am forgiven. I was invited into this relationship with him, and I could trust. And fully expect him to save me from death. And to give me eternal life. Because that was the very reason for which he died. I was so thankful that that was his gift to me. Held out for me. That I merely needed to turn to and receive in faith. Nothing was required of me. The price had been paid I just had to turn in faith to him and receive his gift and give myself to him. That felt amazing. (laughs) I mean, it was unbelievable, the grace of God for me. And every part of me by the grace of God believed it. Every part of me. I was on fire. I was on fire for God and what he had done for me. The next summer, at that same church camp, I learned that Harry Potter is from the devil. Now, to be fair to the church camp, that wasn't preached from the pulpit, but a pastor's kid a pastor's kid, very seriously told me that Harry Potter was from the devil and he was astonished that I hadn't heard that. (laughs) And that was a surprise to me because the same year I discovered Jesus, I discovered Harry Potter. (laughs) And my passion for Jesus had coexisted quite peacefully with my interest in Harry Potter for that entire year until... That pastor's kid (laughs) told me that Harry Potter's from the devil. Put a little damper on my enthusiasm for Harry for a little bit. (laughs) I didn't grow up in a legalistic background. That wasn't uh, my parents' leanings. That wasn't my church's leanings. But as I ventured into conservative evangelical circles first in college and then into adulthood, I learned a lot from my, well, uh, my law-trained brothers and sisters. So I learned, for example, that you cannot hold hands with your girlfriend in public. And my, my now wife and I got dinged for that once. I learned that you, you can't even really date a girl at all. You court her. And I learned that you can't do that for longer than a year because you won't be able to keep your hands off each other. I learned that you can't wear shorts to church, can't wear sandals to church. Jesus would be surprised by that one. (laughs) I learned that you got to dress up for church because you've got to give God your best. I learned that a guy cannot take off his shirt at a swimming pool. I learned that you can a guy can't even share a swimming pool with a girl because that is mixed bathing. <laughs> that was new. That was new. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You can't gamble, even if you're of age, even in moderation. You can only listen to Christian music. You can only listen to Christian music by groups that aren't too weird. You can only listen to Christian music if they don't focus too much about a person's feelings. You can only sing hymns in church. You can only sing psalms in church. You can only sing a cappella hymns in church or a cappella psalms in church, depending on who you're talking to. When worshiping, you cannot raise your hands. That would be distracting to others. When worshiping, you must raise your hands because that shows you really mean it. Don't live in too nice a neighborhood. Don't drive too nice a car. Don't wear too nice a clothes. Don't eat out anywhere because that would be poor stewardship except for (laughs) Chick-fil-A because they're closed on Sunday. Amen? (laughs) Amen. I learned a lot from my law-trained brothers and sisters, and I'm sure you have many other examples running through your mind. Christians are really, really good at taking things that are, in general, wise or prudent or advisable or commendable and in their minds, allowing those things to define what a Christian is. I'll say that again, Christians are really good at taking things that are in general, wise or prudent or advisable or commendable and in their minds allowing those things to define what a Christian is. When we do that, we're not far removed from those foolish Galatians. Jesus didn't appear to Paul and turn his life upside down so that Paul could go to the ends of the earth shaming people for what they eat, drink, and wear. Paul didn't give up everything and endure imprisonments and beatings and sufferings and ultimately death so that we could have the strongest of convictions about how other people spend money. Paul's unbelievable life story, his unbelievable life's work are about the gospel. They're about the gospel. And the gospel is that you, sinner, by grace through faith, are united in Christ. The gospel is that you, sinner, (laughs) by grace through faith, are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The gospel is that you are co-heirs with Christ of his eternal inheritance. The gospel is that you are adopted sons and daughters of his heavenly father. The gospel is that you are indwelled by his spirit and you are forgiven, you are redeemed, you are reconciled to God, all because. God was pleased to reveal his son to you. All because God was pleased to send his son to die for you. All because God was pleased to ordain that we merely receive these good and gracious gifts through faith Alone in Christ alone. That's the gospel. That is unbelievably good news. Amen? Amen. That's the antidote for our wandering, legalistic hearts. When you're feeling condemned or you're in the mood to condemn, Remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're feeling judged by man, remember that you are declared righteous. You're justified in Christ. When you're feeling dirty, Christian, remember that you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the spirit of God. That's the gospel. That's God's glorious, unbelievable good news for you. Church, does that warm your heart this morning? Does that not just like uplift your soul a little bit? Well, it should, it should. But in closing, I want to remind us that there are still over 3 billion people in this world who have virtually no access to that unbelievably good news. When Paul went on his second missionary journey, he visited those churches in Galatia, the ones he had founded, to strengthen them and encourage them. And then he went on to new places to take the gospel to new peoples that had not yet heard it. And when he went out on his third missionary journey, he went around to all the places that he had already been. No new places, but it was on that journey that he wrote his letter to the Romans. In his letter to the Romans, he said this, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions. He didn't have any room for work in those regions? I mean, those churches were messed up. He had lots of room for work in those regions. They weren't all saved. They weren't all sanctified. But since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul wanted to go to Rome as a pit stop on his way to Spain. And he wanted to go to Spain because Spain didn't have the gospel. Paul's life's work, his life's mission, his life's calling was to take the gospel to places where it was not already being proclaimed. And unfortunately, almost 2,000 years later, there are still vast swaths of this world where the gospel of Jesus Christ is not being proclaimed in any significant measure. Those places are primarily in North Africa, the Middle East, and huge chunks of Asia. And it just so happens that over 3 billion people live there. Church, I am not trying to shame you. I am not trying to make you feel guilty. Certainly not after what we just read and considered this morning. Those glorious truths, that true gospel. That is not my intent. But I do want you to be aware of an opportunity. So, this Saturday, Harmony is taking part in a worldwide simulcast event called Secret Church. Secret Church is going to be a time of learning and prayer and worship. And it's gonna be all about how we as individuals and we as a church can be all about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to places where he is not being proclaimed. So the people in those places, they're not just lost. They are unreached for the gospel. They don't have access to it. And unfortunately, only about 1% of the worldwide church's global missions resources go towards reaching the unreached, which means 99% of the worldwide church's missions resources go to places where there are already Christians and churches proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is the great imbalance. That's the theme of Secret Church. That's what you'll learn all about on Saturday. You can go to our website if you want more information. If you want to go, please register on our website by Wednesday. Brothers and sisters, if you can't make it to secret church, I want you to know there is no condemnation (laughs) for those who are in Christ Jesus. On this day of all days, and on every day, remember that your standing before God depends not on what you do for him, but on what he has done for you. Amen. Jesus died. He rose again. And through faith in him, you stand condemned no longer. That is unbelievable good news. And Paul's unbelievable life's story is a testimony to the truthfulness of that good news. It is not man's gospel, it is God's gospel. So let's remember the gospel. Let's hold fast to the gospel. When you are tempted to judge, remember that one is justified in Christ Jesus. Jesus remember the gospel. When you are tempted to fear man, run to the gospel. Run to the gospel. And Harmony, let's just be a people who are more and more, day after day, by God's grace, in the filling of his spirit, be a people that are all about proclaiming the gospel to ourselves, to our brothers and sisters, to our neighbors, and to every tribe, tongue, and nation to the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray.